Hey y'all, it's Janice. Welcome to the Dirty Diversity Podcast. This is a place where we will be exploring equity, racism, and diversity. I am a DEI consultant, educator, writer, and professor who strives to center my work around the liberation of Black folks globally. More specifically, I examine and unpack how we can create structures that support the most marginalized folks in the workplace. This is a podcast where I will share my thoughts on all things diversity, equity, inclusion, racism, anti-racism, and Black liberation. My goal is to stimulate your mind and shift you to think in a way that you've never considered before. This podcast will feature my thoughts as well as the perspectives of different folks doing related work. If you want to learn more, pick up my best-selling books, Dirty Diversity and The Pink Elephant, where I explore workplace equity in more detail. Thank you for listening. Hey, y'all. Jay Nice on the mic. I am back. (laughs) So I did not intend to take as long of a break as I did, but I'm back. This is actually episode 19 of season three, so there will be one more episode which will drop before 2022 is over, and then I'll probably take a tiny little bit of a break, even though I did kind of take one. Um, I took a couple weeks off from recording. Um, So I'm so excited. I haven't talked to y'all since I signed my book deal. But for those of you who are not connected with me on social media, I actually signed a book deal last month. So pause for applause. I'm so excited uh, to be writing a third book. My first book, Dirty Diversity, and my second book, The Pink Elephant, I self-published. And um, so this third book will be really interesting because I'm going through a publisher. So if you want to follow my publishing journey in the show notes, you will see links to join my mailing list i'll be updating i've been updating my mailing list so um check out my mailing list i usually just send out resources i'm not one of those people i do not like to spam people because i don't like to receive spam there is this newsletter that i follow alara i think is what they're called um but they send out like dei news and updates and i love their newsletter i go through it i see some stuff sometimes i get inspired for with ideas so i aspire for my newsletter to be like a resource and not trying to sell you stuff right so like i really try to make it like the most bang for your buck even though it's a free newsletter and you're not paying so um there's a link in the show notes to join my mailing list but if you just go to my website drjanisgassam.com within maybe 10 seconds of getting going on the website you'll be prompted to join my mailing list So um, I will be recording one more episode. So this will drop the week of November 14th. And so the week of Thanksgiving, November 21st, I actually have a, a big workshop that I'm doing with this huge hospital in New York City. It's a virtual workshop, but I'm trying to think. I don't know if I'm gonna have the capacity to record an episode that week and then the following week is thanksgiving 
But you will definitely hear from me in December um, where I will be sharing more of the journey. So I have right now, y'all, I have three projects, three projects that I'm working on. The So if y'all remember in a couple of episodes back, I, I mentioned that there was um, something I was working on and it was the book proposal. And I am super superstitious. And I don't like to speak on things until they've come to fruition. But I am very like a firm believer in the power of the tongue. And I actually made a vision board. Every year I make a vision board. I did it with one of my close friends. We did vision boarding on 11-11 because um, 11 and 1 is like the number of manifestation. So I like to do things on 11-11. So Veterans Day just passed. And so her and I... You might hear the train in the background, y'all. So her and I um, did vision boarding. So last year on my vision board, I actually had that I wanted to get a publishing contract, right? I initially wanted to write, like have a, um, a book of essays or like a poetry book. And so it just, the way that life works is so funny. And this editor, senior editor that I actually spoke with in 2020 after my first book dropped, he reached out after I wrote this article about the Trump diversity ban. And so we spoke a couple times and I just don't like the pace at which publishing happens where you have an idea, you write a book, but your book doesn't hit the shelves until like a year later. So at that time, it was early, late summer 2020. And I wanted to get my second book, The Pink Elephant, out. So we you know we lost touch we lost connection and two years later he reached reached out to me um maybe late summer this year and it turned into a book deal so i on my tiktok i've been sharing a little bit about the book process so i will be um i will be sharing more uh, about the journey because i really want y'all to be part of the journey when i wrote my first and second book i did it Kind of like I moved in silence, did it, and then put the books out. But I, I feel like I want y'all to be part of this journey, especially for any of you all listening who want to publish books. But sorry, going back to why I mentioned the vision board. So I had on my vision board that I wanted to publish a book. I was thinking it would be a book of essays. Like I love how um, Audre Lorde has like a book of essays right has different and tony morrison has books of essays so i wanted to do something like that taking my forbes articles but um i you know i guess that's that's not the way that the life works and so you know i am coming out with a book it should release by fall of 2023 and i um am keeping y'all looped in the process so the book will actually be called decentering whiteness in the workplace so it should be very interesting. I am in the midst of writing it. I've written half of the book already. So I submitted a first draft and I'm looking forward to getting feedback. But I was literally like thinking about the book while I was in bed last night, right? I was listening to an audiobook. Shout out to Trisha Hershey who has the book Rest is Resistance, amazing audiobook. I'm only like maybe 30 to 45 minutes in. It's a really great book. So I recommend you listening via Audible if you have Audible or getting the physical copy. 
I have not been good with like reading physical books and I, I've been reading a lot as I'm like writing this book. I've been researching a lot and I had to buy a bunch of books, right? I had some books already, but I have to had to buy more. And so I, I think the idea of reading for leisure just isn't in the stars for me right now, but it's really, really great book, right? And so I think I'm going to record my audiobook myself because I like when I listen to audiobooks recorded by the author. But so that's the first project that I was, I'm working on. And I mentioned that in a previous episode, the two other projects that I'm working on, one I will share in, um, the end of December I'll share because I'm going to California to film. Um, so I'm working on two courses, right? And once the filming is done and wrapped and I have like actually done that, then I'll share, but I'm working on two courses. Super excited. Um, super excited. I'll explain more. I've worked with this company, um, or ironically, I actually have content that I created like seven years ago for this company and their business arm reached out to me about doing the course and I just thought it was a really funny full circle moment. This The, the other company, I'm just like, I don't even want to like, y'all, I'm so superstitious, right? So when I was doing my TED talk, when I got selected to do my TED talk, I only told my partner and I told my mom and that was it. And my partner told his friends and his one of his friends ended up coming, which I thought was so cute. And I didn't even tell my closest friends because I'm so superstitious and I, I don't like to speak on things before they've come to fruition. But my mom told my aunt and my aunt ended up coming. So I don't I'm not going to like drop the, the company names that I'm doing the courses with. But for those of you who listen to the podcast, you'll be interested in the courses, I'm sure, um, because they're related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. But I'll share more. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to share more in the 20th episode that will drop in either late November. I, I might drop more episodes, right? But I think this is like a season of rest. Many of us are like revving down our what we're doing because the holidays are coming up. And so I'll, I'll share more on the podcast and um, just make sure that you, if you want to receive updates, you sign up for my mailing list. I promise I will not spam you. So a few housekeeping items. If you are interested in receiving advice, if you have diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging questions, Um, related to the workplace, you can feel free to send me an email at askdrjnice at gmail.com. I uh, will answer your question on the podcast. So I received one email um, asking a question already. So if you have any DEI related questions, I'm offering free advice and I'll drop your response in the podcast episode. So the email is in the show notes, but it's also ask drjnice at gmail.com. Um, so the other housekeeping item is thank y'all so much for listening to the podcast. If you enjoy the podcast and you listen on Apple, please leave a rating and a review if you have the energy or the capacity. Uh, you may hear start to hear uh, ads on the podcast. I um, the, the platform where I record the podcast asked me if I wanted to place ads over 
the podcast and I was like, yeah, sure. You actually don't make a lot of money. I think I've earned like 75 cents. Um, but that's fine because I don't I didn't create the podcast this podcast with the intention of making money. So I'm cool with that, right? Um, so just as a reminder, a final reminder, I'll be sharing the book publishing process on this podcast, also on my TikTok. I have a love-hate relationship with TikTok. Some of y'all may remember I wrote an article about how TikTok is racist. Their algorithm definitely prioritizes whiteness. Um, just like every other social media platform, and I'm not ashamed to say that, but I also think it's important to use what we got, and social media is an important tool that we can all use to get our message out, and unfortunately, the thing with a free app is that you, it is what it is, right? The algorithm is going to do what it does, and I think it's important to realize how the algorithm works and try to use it to your advantage, right? But um, if you're on Instagram or LinkedIn and you want to connect with me, all of the info is in the show notes. Um, I had an opportunity to, so November is going to be a really great month as far as like stories that I write. So I had an opportunity to interview an Iranian woman who uh, shared her experiences as an Iranian living in America. Um, She talked about what's going on right now in Iran as far as the revolution that the women, the Iranian women are uh, behind the revolution that has sparked in Iran. She talked about that. She talked about the importance of prioritizing different ethnic groups and marginalized ethnic groups within Iran. And so I will leave that interview in the show notes. I am also uh, transcribing an interview I did with um, somebody who, let's see, I'm not going to share where he works. You'll see it in the in the article, but he uh, talked about Native American home ownership and some of the barriers that indigenous Americans or Native Americans experience when it comes to home ownership. It was a really interesting and I think very important piece. I haven't had a chance in a lot of my writing to highlight the Native American experience. This may actually be the first article. I published 350, over 350 Forbes articles, and this might be the first art, this is the first article I've written that highlights the Native American experience. So I'm really grateful that I was able to do this interview, still in the process of transcribing it. Um, And also I had a chance to interview two Ethiopian girls who are from the Tigray region of Ethiopia. For those who are not familiar, Tigray is a portion of, is like the northern region of Ethiopia that is um, in between Ethiopia and the country of Eritrea. Shout out to my best friend who is from Eritrea. But these two girls shared, their sisters, and they shared the war that's happening right now in the Tigray region of Ethiopia. And so that was a great interview, and I was really excited to see that. The Forbes Twitter page, before all of the nonsense with Elon Musk, the Forbes Twitter page reposted uh, that store that interview, right? And so they had their Twitter page has millions of followers, and so I, I really was grateful that they amplified that story because it's such an important story. So I've tried to I've been trying to move away from like these hashtag Black Excellence stories because I, although I think it's important for people to see themselves represented in different ways, like. I'm tired of the black billionaire and the black millionaire stories. I think those stories are not doing anything to elevate us as a society and a culture. 
I do think representation matters, but I think the story has to be more than like, I'm a black millionaire and this is why I'm so great, right? Um, so yeah, I, I'm just so grateful. I, I will say this forever. I'm so grateful to be in a position where I'm able to contribute to such a huge platform and get these stories told that aren't often told or spoken about, right? So in today's episode, I just wanted to talk about repairing harm, right? And I know I've spoken about this before, but we like, as this is taking place right now, right? We're in a state in the US and in the world where a lot of people have been talking about Kanye West a lot of people have been talking about Kyrie Irving. Full disclosure, I was the hugest Kanye West fan. Kanye West was my favorite musician ever. I Kanye West brings a lot of nostalgia to me. I listened to his music in high school, right? And I just fell in love with the way, the, the, the content that he's talked about. I thought he was super um, woke and very um, aware and socially conscious. And I loved like his first five albums I had, I, I'm obsessed with, right? Um, I think it was when he started getting into his My Dark Twisted Fantasy bag. I liked his album, but I think the socially consciousness of the album started to diminish. I think when he created that album, he was still dating the model IG girl, Amber Rose. And then once he started dating Kim K, he just changed. And I no longer like, he was no longer my favorite artist. Even the con like the stuff he rapped about was just like, I love the Kanye West that said George Bush doesn't care about black people, right? And um, I have divorced my love of his music and him as a person because he's so problematic, right? But it's interesting that in both, and I'm using Kyrie and Kanye for a specific reason, like it's really interesting that when black people do something that is offensive to any other community. I don't even think it's just the Jewish community. I think it's any community, right, that experiences harm at the hands of black people. Society does a really great job of, um, what is it called? What is the term? Um, putting a black man in his place and letting the world know that he is not allowed to speak out about this. What complicates the situation with Kyrie and Kanye West is that, well, let's speak specifically to Kanye West, right? Kanye West has said things that are anti-black. I personally don't like that people who don't have a medical or mental health background are diagnosing Kanye West, yes, Kanye West, there's evidence that he experiences um, bipolar disorder. I think that's the correct term for it. Um, he experiences bipolar disorder. We don't know if Kanye West was having a bipolar episode. We cannot assume that Kanye West was having a bipolar episode. I don't like that a lot of us are saying, he's just having an episode. That doesn't excuse like racism and anti-blackness. That doesn't excuse you wearing a um, 
a white lives matter shirt right that doesn't and i think that honestly people like to um hide behind the mental illness like people like to shield people like to excuse kanye of his actions because he experiences a mental illness there's millions of people tens of millions of people i believe who experience mental illnesses people have depression people have anxiety people have bipolar disorder people experience schizophrenia that does not excuse them from destructive behavior and we don't even know if the man was experiencing a, a manic episode right but people are just people with no background in mental health or medicine are just like diagnosing him and i think that that's problematic and i actually think that that's um that's harmful to people who actually do have mental illnesses and who experience mental illnesses right I think that it's so telling, and I'm not the first person that says this, but I just want to reiterate, it's so telling that when Kanye West said things that were anti-black, when he said slavery was a choice, Van Lathan, right, who was back then working on TMZ, was one of the only people that um, spoke out against Kanye West and said that you are super problematic, right? A lot of black people didn't say anything or defended Kanye West, Right, and I have so much respect for Van Lathan. If you're not familiar with him, Google him. Really stand-up um, person. You know, I don't know him, but he seems like a stand-up person. He was one of the only people that, and I loved how he called Kanye out and was just like, no, what you're saying is wrong, right? But I think what made it complicated is Kanye West is black, and he was saying something anti-black and problematic, um, and, and like almost like a white supremacist talking point, right? But I think non-black people didn't want to call him out because they're like, well, if he's black and he's saying this, then it's okay, right? Switch to Kyrie Irving, right? I know Con uh, Kyrie has a lot of interesting views. I don't agree with all of his views. The flat earth thing is weird. Um, I know he was very like anti-COVID vaccine and I do respect his opinion. I don't agree. But I understand that a lot of black people understandably have um, reservations about the American medical system and black men, black people have every right to have reservations. Um, so I'm not like the flat earth thing and the reservations about that. But I think it's really interesting that y'all are so y'all as in like a lot of people are so angry with Kyrie for posting in his Instagram story a a video called from Negroes to Hebrew, Hebrews, right? Um, I believe is what it's called. I didn't watch it, but it's being sold on Amazon. The sales I actually read went up because more people are interested in it. Nobody's mad at Jeff Bezos. Nobody's asking for it to be taken down. But Kyrie, who posted it in his stories, is is like being admonished and is being... Um, is being like all of this that they're making him do, this 10 point list of things, right, that, that y'all are making Kyrie Irving do because he posted something in his story which now he has apologized. I get it, right, because I was having a conversation with some friends a few weeks ago and they were like, well, he he didn't apologize. They, they asked him about it and he said, I can't be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from, right? Um, he didn't apologize. And then later when Nike dropped him, that's when he issued an apology, right? 
the fact of the matter is the man apologized, right? Regardless of the fact that maybe it took him longer than what people felt it should, he apologized. So why are y'all giving him a 10-point list of things that he must do in order to, um, in order to like uh, redeem himself, right? All the people that said things that are anti-black, did we give them a 10-point list? No. And so I think it goes back to like this idea of what it means to repair harm. And the fact that in our society, anti-blackness is acceptable and it's okay, right? And I just, you know, I think it's excessive. I think if you've caused harm to another community, which it seems like Kyrie has caused harm to many Jewish people, Kanye West has caused harm to many Jewish people, it you have to do you have to take steps to repair that harm however i also think that like harm is harm right and so if you've caused harm to the same amount of effort that society has put toward making Kyrie apologize and do all of these things where he has to take sensitivity training and donate to this per it's like bro when sarah silverman made a anti-black joke, right? Sarah Silverman, and I will leave a link to one of my favorite content creators on YouTube. She actually posted this link of Sarah Silverman. Um, I think she did blackface and she also made a joke, an anti-black joke, right? Sarah Silverman was one of the first people that went on social media and rightfully called Kanye out for his anti-Semitism. I didn't see Sarah Silverman and for those of you who are not familiar, she's a, a Jewish American comedian. Um, I don't see Sarah's, I didn't see Sarah Silverman issue any apologies for the anti-black joke that she told or for wearing blackface, right? And I think that um, it's important, one, that when we're trying to repair harm, we're centering the people that were harmed, right? Me as a black person, I can't say what is offensive to the Jewish community and what is not. But also I think that there is a pattern of invalidation of black harm. And when black people say, hey, why didn't anyone apologize for doing this when it caused me as a black person harm? I think that a lot of times our feelings are invalidated. And we see this replicated in the workplace, right? Where a black person who's experienced harm especially at the hands of another marginalized person, sometimes our pain and our experiences are invalidated, right? And so I think that um, when we think about what has happened, I'm not sure if y'all saw what happened at, I believe it's University of Kentucky. There was this viral video of this young black girl who was accosted and assaulted by a drunk white woman who called her the n-word multiple times she was like trying to i don't know if she was trying to hit her but the video went viral right and um i'll try to find a link and put it in the show notes as well and so the girl who the the white young white woman who did who accosted and assaulted the young black girl who was like a freshman i think you know um she said that um, she felt like it was extreme that people were trying to get her kicked out of school. She was fired from her job. She worked at, I think, Dillard's, and she was fired from her job. And she was like, y'all are trying to get me kicked out of school. She made she posted something um, on her Instagram story 
I think insinuating that that decision was excessive, right? And so I think that like, it's funny to look at like, when harm is caused to non-black communities, we have this 10 point list of things that we make them do, we make people do to repair that harm, but we don't have the same energy when it comes to people who cause harm to black people. So I think that it's important to ask ourselves, what systems do we have in place in our workplaces to repair harm? Y'all see how I turned, how I connected this to the workplace? I think there's a lot of current event parallels. So like what's happening in the larger scope of the world, there's always parallels to the workplace, right? And so I want you to ask yourself, like what systems do we have in our workplace to repair harm? What mechanisms are we providing employees with to share when they've experienced harm, right? And so in the work that I do, what I find is that a lot of employees are scared to share that they've experienced harm because they fear retaliation. When I looked at the data from the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, they share data every year about what types of workplace discrimination claims people are filing and i think race is race and gender i think are always um the the their most frequent um i feel like maybe religious might be up there but race gender and i think gender might be um the most common discrimination claim and then maybe race um, but out of all of the types of claims, regardless of your protected class, retaliation is the number one type of like form of discrimination that people experience in their workplace, right? So you report something to a manager or to a leader, or to HR, and you get retaliated against. You might get fired. You might get um, a negative or a bad performance review. You might get put on a performance improvement plan. So I think it's important to ask what systems have we created or can we create in our workplace to repair harm, right? I have no qualms with Kyrie Irving and Kanye West and anyone who says anything that is deemed anti-Semitic having to repair that harm, right? But what I think is contradictory and um, hypocritical is that when people cause harm to the black community, there isn't a 10 point list. When Joe Rogan said the N word and said all of these problematic things multiple times, Spotify did not drop Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan issued an apology, <laughs> right? That was it. That was all that he did. He did, and, and the thing was, he did it multiple times. Kyrie Irving posted something on his Instagram story, which was seen as him promoting it. He apologized. Now he's given a 10-point list of things to do, and it's excessive, right? It's very excessive. Joe Rogan did not have to do anything besides apologize. Brett Favre, have y'all seen what? I need, I need to write an article about that, right? It's so problematic. And I'm just like, do I have the energy? But Brett Favre is super duper duper problematic, right? There was news that came out when, I'm trying to think when it came out. Um, uh, there was news that came out that Brett Favre has these companies, right? That he backed that are accused of taking over $2 million in welfare funds. Um, and I, I haven't seen like, Brett Favre make uh, amends 
Um, I haven't seen any sort of like 10 point list that Brett Favre has been made to, um, that Brett Favre has been made to, um, to, to do to repair the harm that he's caused to the welfare recipients. Um, and this is Mississippi, right? And Mississippi is the poorest state in the United States. Um, and so like, where is the same forms of outrage when it comes to people who do things that are anti-black? We don't see that same energy. We don't see that same smoke. And so I think it's really interesting. And maybe I'll do an article about the contradictions, right? And how contradictory it is and how people aren't expected to repair harm when it comes to harm against the black community. And so I encourage you to think about and start asking yourself, what systems do we have to repair harm, right? And what mechanisms are we creating so that employees can report the harm that they've experienced? So those are important questions that I want you to ask yourself. I was going to talk about the midterm elections too, but I don't know. I just, I think that's where I'll end today's episode. Um, let me know y'all's thoughts. And again, if you have any questions related to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging in your workplace, if you want them answered uh, on an upcoming podcast episode, send me an email at askdrjnice at gmail.com. Um, and that is where I'm going to leave this episode. If you want to receive updates on my book, just connect with me on TikTok or add yourself to my mailing list at drjanisgassam.com. I love y'all and I will check y'all out in the next episode.